This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from a speech by Harvey Milk, The Rachel Maddow Show, The Matthew Filipovich Show, Throwing Shade, On the Media, The Progressive, The Bugle, Jay Smooth, and Blacking It Up. And a note for our more sensitive listeners, this episode contains both facts and emotional compassion regarding human sexuality. Somewhere in Des Moines or San Antonio, there's a young gay person who all of a sudden realizes that she or he is gay, knows that if the parents find out, they'll be tossed out of the house, the classmates would taunt the child, and the Anita Bryans and John Briggs are doing their bit on TV, and that child had several options, staying in a closet, suicide, and then one day that child might open a paper and it says homosexual elected in San Francisco and there are two new options. The option is to go to California. <laughs> stay in San Antonio and fight. Two days after I was elected, I got a phone call and the voice was quite young. It was from Altoona, Pennsylvania. And the person said, thanks. And you've got to elect gay people so that that young child and the thousands upon thousands like that child know that there's hope for a better world. There's hope for a better tomorrow. Without hope, not only gays, but those blacks and the Asians and the disabled seniors, the us's, the us's without hope Yes, is give up. I know that you cannot live on hope alone, but without it, life is not worth living. And you, and you, and you, you've got to give them hope. Thank you very much. It will teach you to love what you're afraid of. After it takes away. In September of 1998, two men, John Lawrence and Tyrone Garner, uh, were arrested in an apartment in Texas. They were arrested for violating the Texas state law against two people having sex by any means other than the one specific combination that might potentially someday produce a baby. Uh, there is a new book out right now that casts doubt on whether or not Mr. Lawrence and Mr. Garner were actually having sex when police burst into Mr. Lawrence's apartment and arrested them. Uh, but in any case, that is what they were charged with. Two consenting adults charged with having a kind of sex that was illegal in Texas. In 1998, when they were arrested, Mr. Lawrence and Mr. Garner both vowed to contest the fine they were charged and to appeal their case. And they did appeal it all the way to the United States Supreme Court. In June 2003, nearly five years after they were arrested, the Supreme Court quashed the case against them. They struck down the Texas law. 
Until today, it was legal for individual states to at least try to legislate what went on in the bedroom. Not anymore. Homosexual conduct is no longer a crime. NBC News Justice Correspondent Pete Williams is with us from the court tonight. Pete, good evening. Brian, good evening to you. People on both sides of this issue are calling it the most significant gay rights decision ever. It says the government cannot use moral grounds to make private sexual conduct illegal. The ruling in Lawrence v. Texas was 6-3. to three. Justices Antonin Scalia and Clarence Thomas, as well as the late Justice William Rehnquist, uh, disagreed with the ruling. They thought Texas's law should stand, but they were the minority. They were overruled. This year on the campaign trail, Texas Governor Rick Perry tried to base his case that he should be president in part on his disagreement with that court ruling, his defense of Texas having laws regulating the precise kind of sex that you and your partner are allowed by the state to have in your own home. Pennsylvania Senator Rick Santorum also took that position in the campaign. But alas, that clarion call to limited government and personal liberty was not enough to propel either of those candidates to the presidency. There's now another big gay rights, civil rights case making its way through the courts that may very well end up being decided by the Supreme Court. And that's the Prop 8 case. Proposition 8 was the referendum in California in 2008 to take away existing marriage rights from same-sex couples. Prop 8 has been in litigation since it passed in 2008. And, And the case around Prop 8 hinges in part on the question of immutability. Is being gay an immutable characteristic? Can you change it? If you find yourself gay for some reason, do you have to stay that way? One of the arguments the anti-gay rights side makes is that being gay is a choice. So marriage, then, isn't a question of equal rights. Everybody has an equal right to get married already. If you want to get married and you're gay, you can get married. You just have to stop being gay. Choose to become straight. Now you can get married. Presto, changeo, here comes the bride. This is part of the transcript from the oral arguments uh, in the trial in the Prop 8 case. Now, the lawyer here is arguing on the anti-gay side. The lawyer is arguing against gay marriage here, and he is questioning an expert, questioning a psychology professor. Ready? Question. You will find here a document pre-marked. Can you identify that document? Answer. This is an article by Robert Spitzer, published in the Archives of Sexual Behavior in 2003. The title is, Can Some Gay Men and Lesbians Change Their Sexual Orientation? Question. You are familiar with the author, correct? He is a very prominent psychiatrist who is certainly considered to be an expert in his field, correct? Answer. He is a very prominent psychiatrist. Question. Please turn to page 413 and please look in the second column, the first full paragraph, and it says, quote, This study indicates that some gay men and lesbians following reparative therapy report that they have made major changes from a predominantly homosexual orientation to a predominantly heterosexual orientation. See, it was important for the lawyer on the anti-gay side here to get it on the record that this prominent study by this prominent expert psychiatrist proved that gay people can change. It is relatively central to their argument that denying gay people access to marriage isn't some kind of second-class citizenship for gay people. Gay people have first-class citizenship. All they have to do is change into straight people, and then they can have all the rights they want. Here's the thing, though. That argument has kind of just fallen apart. Dr. Robert Spitzer, the aforementioned Dr. Robert Spitzer, that prominent psychiatrist quoted there in the Prop 8 trial, whose work is supposed to prove that gay people can change themselves into straight people. As we reported last week, Dr. Robert Spitzer recently revealed to the American prospect that he would like to retract his study. The one cited in that Prop 8 trial, he says he regrets it, he'd like to retract it, and that he basically does not think it qualifies as science. 
His study was published in this journal, The Archives of Sexual Behavior. The journal's editor says that it will not formally retract the study. But they are going to publish this letter to the editor from Dr. Spitzer. Kudos and thanks to truthwinsout.org for being first to publish uh, the content of Dr. Spitzer's letter. Uh, and it is kind of astonishing. Dr. Spitzer writes that there's no way to determine if the people in his study who said they turned ex-gay were credible when they said it. There's no way to determine if it would, they were credible when they said that they had been cured of the gay. He also goes on to apologize. Look at this, quote, I believe I owe the gay community an apology for my study making unproven claims of the efficacy of reparative therapy. I also apologize to any gay person who wasted time and energy undergoing some form of reparative therapy because they believed that I had proven that reparative therapy works. Wow. If the next big gay rights civil rights case hinges in a significant way on the idea that you can change being gay if you want to. And if the basis for that claim just evaporated in a puff of I'm sorry from Dr. Robert Spitzer, what does that do to the law here? What does that do to the future of this as a civil rights issue in the country? I could never pretend that I don't love you. You could never pretend that I'm your man. That's exactly the way that I want It's exactly the way. As an anti-consumerism advocate, I'd like to encourage you to shop less, don't buy things you don't need, and only buy the necessities from local, independently owned businesses. That said, if you don't take this good advice, then at least there's a way to shop that helps support this show at the same time. Simply click through to Amazon.com, just one of the major companies under constant boycott by one liberal cause or another, from the banner posted at bestoftheleft.com. Better yet, click through just once and bookmark that link to use every time you shop. Your shopping experience will be identical to normal. It will cost you nothing extra, but 7 to 8% of the cost of your order in soulless corporate blood money will be siphoned off and used to tremendously support the production of this show. Thanks for doing the right thing, whatever you consider that to be. Obviously, the big news, the huge news, is that President Barack Obama on Wednesday gave an interview uh, with ABC News, and he had the following to say. Take a listen. Um, but I have to tell you that over the course of uh, several years, as I talk to friends and family and neighbors, uh, when I think about uh, members of my own staff who are in incredibly committed monogamous relationships, same-sex relationships, who are raising kids together. Uh, when I think about uh, those soldiers or airmen or marines or uh, sailors who are out there fighting on my behalf uh, and yet feel constrained, even now that Don't Ask, Don't Tell is gone because uh, they're not able to uh, commit themselves in a marriage. Uh, at a certain point, I've just concluded that um, for me personally, it is important for me to go ahead and affirm that uh, I think same-sex couples should be able to get married. All right, so we're going to get to the interview and the range of reactions to the interview from the left uh, shortly. But first, um, I'd be remiss uh, not to point out that on Tuesday, 
the state of North Carolina passed their ass backwards amendment one. Uh, North Carolina became the 30th state to ban same sex marriage. But there's more. There's more. They actually went further than that. They have amended their state constitution to ban not only same sex marriages, but also civil unions and domestic partnerships. Uh, North Carolina approved the amendment by an overwhelming 61% to 39%. So, uh, way to go, way to go, 61% of you backwards folks in North Carolina. Uh, good, you know, nice try, 39% of you. Uh, apparently, apparently the last time, and this is not a joke, the last time that North Carolina amended their constitution was in the year 1875. And I'm going to read the amendment to you. The amendment, the last time North Carolina, Carolina amended their constitution, the amendment read, quote, All marriages between a white person and a Negro, and between a white person and a person of Negro descent to the third generation inclusive, are hereby forever prohibited. Have you ever heard of, of the president of the United States? Mm, POTUS? Yeah. POTUS. No, Barack no. Obama. No. Oh, you haven't heard of him. Well, he's the president. and um, Oh, I always thought that was a... I thought that was a song from the 90s, POTUS. No, it's not. That was never a song you from the You know that pe- the people who sing no. My Name is Mud? Mm-mm. Who sings that? I Primus. don't fucking know. Oh, oh, I oh, was you thought Primus. POTUS. POTUS r- mm-hmm. Common yeah. mistake. So anyway, uh, the president last week in, I, I really like, I just have to be sincere for a second. I, the most monumental thing for gay rights that has happened on a large scale in the United States. Did you see the Newsweek cover? I did. I'm about to talk about it. Okay. Um, the news, let's get to it now, actually. The Newsweek no, cover. Wait, I think we should talk about how cool it is. Okay. No, we'll talk about how cool it is. Oh, no, I, let's talk about the Newsweek cover. Okay. Just shut the fuck up. All right. Let me fucking have this. I have, I have waited for this for so long. Here's the thing. I think the term watershed was invented for moments like this. I know. And you know what? I'm going to get to all sides of this because I know that there are plenty of people who are already cynical about it. And like, you know, this doesn't mean enough. And, you know, oh, he could have done and more. Jo- and John Stewart. Absolutely. And I do agree with all of those things and I'll get to them. But I do have to say, like... Please enjoy the moment of what happened. Um, I don't need also anyone straight being cynical about this for me. I can handle it. I, I don't need tweets from people telling me why I shouldn't be excited about this. I am excited about it. So eat a dick, everybody. Eat <laughs> a dick, everybody. I um, agree. I didn't know. I didn't understand why there was instant cynicism. Instant, and and I, I, you know, I don't know. We'll go it's over the, some of those really points. It's really just but... the. It's the the tone of today. But. I really feel like watching that interview, I was so surprised at how moved I was by it um, because I am never moved by anything ever. Nothing. Nothing. I can attest to that. And it really did mean for me so much because, um, and I am not going to get emotional here, although I'm very close to it. It 
was the first time that I heard on a global scale someone said that you are no different, that there is no difference anymore. And all I could think about was me in like seventh or eighth grade and needing to hear something like that. Somebody say it. Someone say it. And for it to be the president, the leader of the free world is just, I, I can't imagine being a young person watching that in a closeted environment and that not affecting me and that not and and for people who don't know anyone gay or who don't think they know anyone gay who are hearing that from someone who was elected by the majority of this country yeah it it was i can't even say enough about how um world changing this really was now i will also say that this has come with a lot of criticism, obviously, from the right. But also, um, what's interesting is that the donations went through the roof for this thing, for fundraising. Oh, I instantly after the announcement, M- I got an email that was saying, do you stand with Barack Obama? And I was like, yes, I do. And then it took me to a donation page. For the record, Aaron, I, I donated as well. But you inspired donate. me to donate. I didn't even think about it. I was like, this is amazing. And then you donated and then I donated. And there was a problem because there was a problem with the credit card processor the first time i did it yeah and so i was like i'll wait till they fix it and they sent me an email and fixed it and then i was like here you go yeah uh so and then they were like thanks so much and then i was like cool and okay i don't like, want to hear anything more about the conversation between you and email the, let's get to the newsweek cover really quickly um the newsweek cover obama with a gay halo first gay president it says the first gay president which is obviously you know a, a joke i think and a, and a take on when people called Bill Clinton the first black president, mm-hmm. um, except the, the thing is, is that the first black president was something coined by African-Americans. They said that. I don't think any gay people have called him the first gay president. Have you called RuPaul and found out? I haven't called He's RuPaul. He's the spokesperson, right? He is the spokesperson for all things gay. No, I, I, um, I, I, I would never call him that. It did take him a while to come around. Uh, onto onto a lot of these issues, but you know he's definitely made a ton of change. Brian, I don't know if this is in your thing because we do zero pre-production, but we should also talk about North Carolina. No, I know it came right on the heels of it. Barack Obama was originally supposed to make this announcement, by the way, on the View, and then because of the whole Biden thing, they had to like push it up very quickly, and he chose Robin Roberts to do the interview, yeah. mostly because they thought. I think that there was some strategic thinking in that of um, that they wanted it to be an African-American interviewing him so that the blow wouldn't be so hard on typically uh, Obama's, you know, the the African 95 percent of African-Americans support Obama, but many of them do not support gay marriage. So I think that they tried to sort of combat that. Now, was Whoopi Goldberg upset about that statement? I'm sure it was so much more powerful in an interview than it would have been in front of The View. I think that with watching like, you know, fucking Sherry Shepard or, or Elizabeth Hasselbeck, just like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. like, I can't, I don't want to do that. Well, they would have sat on the couch together, which I would have liked to have seen. Yes, that would have been good. He did it wrong. No, but um, I, yeah, I do, I do agree that it took him a while to come around on some issues. So I don't know if the first gay president thing is necessarily accurate. I don't really like that that much, but uh, also, it was the, a very provocative cover. The cover's not pretty. No, it's not. They did a shitty job. The New Yorker had kind of a cool cover. They just showed the White House and the columns in front of the White House were just the different colors of the rainbow. Why is that? 
Why do you think? I don't know. That's why I'm asking. Because he just came out in support of gay marriage. But what does a rainbow have to do with anything? Rainbow is the gay flag. A leprechaun? Yeah. He later retracted the statement about same-sex married couples and said, sorry, I meant to say leprechaun. Yeah, well, then that makes sense about the rainbow. Exactly. I hope you enjoyed this show, but also consider it a valuable tool for not only aggregating, but more importantly, amplifying our view of progressive politics in the world. So if that's true, I ask you to support this work by becoming a member of the show at whatever level you're able, as anything from a basic leftist up through the ranks of socialist, communist, Satanist, or even the most reviled level of support, George Soros. I produce 11 episodes a month of fearless coverage on all the hot-button issues we face, maintaining a rock-solid schedule. So if that sounds worth supporting, please consider signing up to donate as little as $5 a month or even $55 a year. Members also gain access to bonus audio and video content that doesn't make it into the show itself. So for a concrete way to support a strong, progressive voice, please visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Last week, a seasoned political watcher told us that after Mitt Romney's de facto anointment as the Republican presidential nominee, the political press would be filling its headlines with the inconsequential until the conventions. He said desperate reporters would hyperventilate over trivial matters. And then Vice President Joe Biden told Meet the Press that he had no problem with same-sex marriage, which pushed the president to move up his own evolution on the issue to wit. It is important for me to go ahead and affirm that uh, I think same-sex couples should be able to get married. Get ready. The 2012 presidential race just changed, maybe dramatically. Give him credit for taking the risk. Many politicians duck from risk. Potentially watershed moment as President Obama comes out formally, publicly, enthusiastically in support of gay marriage. Uh, Saying that marriage was between a man and a woman. Now he is saying just the opposite. So this is a reversal show. It's going to change this campaign, perhaps for the better, for the The Fox Nation website, affiliated with the Fox News Channel, declared in a banner headline, Obama flip-flops declares war on marriage. About an hour later, it retreated a little, asserting only that, quote, Obama flip-flops on gay marriage. Now, that was a little puzzling. The rhetoric toned down? Alex Koppelman, associate news editor of the New Yorker's website, had an explanation. It's important, first of all, to understand Fox Nation's headline writing. If Obama brought Betty Ford to the White House, the headline would be, Obama brings druggie to White House. (laughs) It's so over-the-top and essentially red meat. So when they change that, It says something about what they think the reaction to Obama's announcement will be. It says they think that it's not going to just be red meat, that it is going to be more nuanced. And so they had to deal with it and they tamped it down because the Republican reaction was pretty muted. You wrote that the Republicans had basically two options for reacting. What were they? One is you fight Obama on the merits. You say, this is wrong. Marriage is between a man and a woman. The president is an extremist. That's what you do if you think you win the argument on the issue. There are other options to come at this from a tactical perspective. So you call him a flip-flopper. You say he's doing this as a distraction. You say that we should be talking about jobs. That's the sort of thing that's going on right now. For example, what John Boehner did when he went on Fox Business to respond. He did say, well, I believe marriage is between a man and a woman. But what he immediately then said is, but this is a distraction. 
the American people want us to focus on jobs and they want us to focus on the economy and we should get off of this topic. When you've got North Carolina voting to seal the door against gay marriage by changing its constitution, why do they want to use the distraction argument, the tactics argument, rather than spend all their time on marriages just between a man and woman? The North Carolina vote is getting a lot of attention, and deservedly so, but let's remember that is a very small percentage of the electorate compared to how many people are going to come out and vote in November. That may be, but why bother to take evasive measures if you aren't going to lose voters by making a direct attack on the issue? It really looks like they're playing more of a wait-and-see game. It could be that polling numbers come out and the president's getting killed. And if so, I would expect to see their strategy change. But the Republicans have sort of already used all their weapons on same-sex marriage. Because his position has evolved only to a certain point, he says he personally favors same-sex marriage, but he also says he wants it left to the states. It's not like he's pushing out an, a federal amendment. You don't really have something to organize around as much. On the other hand, what you do have is a base for Obama that's not as energized about him as it could be. And issues like this, where you have this big public statement, this history-making thing, it reminds people of what they felt about Obama in 2008. The worry is, if you then fight him on it, that just makes his base all the more fired up about him. You increase the turnout for him, you increase the fundraising for him, and by doing that, it backfires on you. You know, journalist Mark Halpern said something kind of interesting on MSNBC's Morning Joe after Obama's announcement. I think that the media is as divided on this issue as the Obama family, which is to say not at all. Right. And so th he's never going to get negative coverage for this. If you look back to the coverage of slavery, you found different news organizations slowly over time changing their position from one of even-handedness to one of advocacy because the moral issue seemed so plain. Do you see that in this case? The country is still divided, but we see the way the polls are moving. We see a, a sharp generational shift. I think the shift actually makes it less pressing for some reporters because you're not the only one out there on the barricade saying we have to do something about this. You're the one looking out and saying this is going to happen. It's just a matter of time. And so it feels, I think, a little less pressing. We've got people paying attention to bullying in schools. We've got people paying attention to hate crimes. We've got the president of the United States on national TV saying, I support same-sex marriage. And so I think the urgency of the issue for some reporters has died down. I think it is sort of the natural human reaction, especially for reporters who we all imagine ourselves as crusading journalists. But it's not as exciting to fight a fight that you feel is already going to be won. Alex, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Alex Koppelman is associate news editor of the New Yorker's website. I learned of Mark Halperin's Morning Joe remarks from the conservative media watchdog site Newsbusters, which cited it as evidence of liberal bias in the media. Newsbusters also posted the edited remarks of Shep Smith of Fox News to drive the point home. The President of the United States, now in the 21st century, and what I'm most curious about is whether it's your belief that in this time of rising debts and all the rest, if Republicans would go out on a limb and 
try to make this a campaign issue while sitting very firmly without, without much question on the wrong side of history on it. Sh shades of segregation and states' rights and the whole thing playing itself out all over again, isn't it? You've got to hand it to President Obama. His declaration of marriage equality was historic and gutsy. He didn't just issue a statement. He made a persuasive personal case for it. For me, it was his acknowledgement of the rights of his staff members who, as he put it, are incredibly committed in monogamous relationships, same-sex relationships, who are raising kids together, that struck the truest note. For when you know someone as a thoroughly moral individual and then see that person denied a basic right, you cannot ultimately help but speak up if you're a decent human being, much less a leader. And that's who Obama is, and that's what he did. After I heard the news, I went over to a wall in my office where, for the last six years, I've pinned a wedding invitation. It was from Richard Taylor and Ray Vahey. It requested the honor of my presence at their wedding ceremony and their celebration of 50 years of love. The wedding was scheduled for September 16th, 2006. I never got to it, though, because Richard had fallen ill and died seven weeks before it was to take place. They did manage to have a small wedding ceremony while he was still in the hospital. Their wedding, however, wasn't honored by the state of Wisconsin, whose amended constitution bans same-sex marriage. But Barack Obama sure honored their wedding on Wednesday. I'm Matt Rothschild, and that's how I see it. Hi, I'm Sam Cedar. You may know me from my shows on Air America Radio, from filling in for Keith Olbermann on Countdown, or even, God forbid, my directing shows like Comedy Central's I'm With Busey. If not, you should really get to know me. Not personally, of course. I think we'd both find that uncomfortable. But if you're a fan of the best of the left like me, I think you'll enjoy my daily live show and podcast, The Majority Report, at Majority.fm. It's a daily dose of political news, analysis, and guests like Chris Hayes, Robert Reich, Digby, comedians like Mark Marin, Janine Garofalo, filmmakers like Morgan Spurlock and Lucy Walker, and on occasion, between my rants on raising taxes, ending wars, and decorporatizing our democracy, I can be mildly amusing. I'm unbought and unbossed daily on the Majority Report at Majority.fm. Like Feature section now, gay marriage. And in a historic moment for America, Andy, President Obama sat down in the White House, strapped his nuts on, and announced that he personally was in favour of gay marriage. Now, he had previously announced that he was in favour of gay marriage in 1996 when he was running for Senate, but, you know, he wasn't president then, and <laughs> it's a bit more important when it comes from a president than when it comes from some dude. <laughs> but everyone had assumed 
that he felt this way, but probably also assumed that he would never say it while in office. He was basically operating a don't ask, don't tell policy, or more accurately, a policy of ask if you want, I'm not going to f***ing answer you. <laughs> but this was a genuine moment of history, and not bad history like natural disasters or terrible wars. Good history, Andy, like the invention of ice cream and the opening weekend of the Smurfs. <laughs> this was the first ever... President of the United States going on record as being in favour of gay marriage. And whilst that will legally mean very little, it will still remain a states' rights issue, and lots of states, as North Carolina sadly proved this week, have still got their head in the past and up their own arse. But, you know, symbolically, it could barely have been more meaningful. It is the gay moon landing, Andy. <laughs> this is one small step for a president, one giant leap for a nation. And what was... Even more remarkable was the relative lack of drama. After it, the gates of hell did not open, as some were perhaps anticipating, and the media generally focused on doing, doing their job incompetently rather than maliciously, which is, you know, it's a step forward, kind of. You know, diagonally forward, at least. Not everyone has been uh, that impressed, though, uh, particularly on the Republican side. Michelle Bachman put out a lengthy news release on Wednesday, Mm. in which he said, marriage between one man and one woman is the foundation of our society. For two, more than 200 years, traditional marriage has been a cornerstone of the United States of America. Mm. And I will do everything in my power to support and preserve traditional marriage and to protect American families. Now, fortunately, everything in her power does seem to be pretty much cool now. But, um, yeah, so that's, that's great. I think what she might want to do before that is just chip away at the divorce rates in traditional marriage of around 50%. <laughs> yes. And also, yes. in these, well, maybe, I mean, maybe it's a bit harsh, because in these trying economic times, divorces are actually quite good for the economy. You know, lawyers, mm -hmm. short-term property lets, new clothes, makeovers, divorces end, starting dating again, going out to restaurants, mm -hmm. remarriages, all good for the cake industry. In fact, Michelle Bachman should be encouraging more ill-conceived, hasty marriages, particularly between gays, because gay weddings are, on average, 5.4% more lavish than non-gay or partially gay weddings. That, that is a fact, John. Most, uh, most chose to focus less on the pure joy of this historic moment and more on whether the decision was politically motivated and whether or not it would help or hurt the president's chances of re-election. The debate seemed to be whether this issue was deep in the president's heart or deep in his heart because it was deep in the heart of a majority of voters in <laughs> crucial swing states. To which you could respond, who cares? Who cares? It's just good. Some criticised the president for doing this for money, arguing that he would get increased donations from his base and from gay groups, essentially arguing that the president of the United States is gay for pay. And <laughs> Cardinal Timothy Dolan, president of the US Conference of Catholic Bishops, labelled the president's remarks deeply saddening. And I would like to label Timothy Dolan's remarks f***ing infuriating, <laughs> so it seems that we both know how to be disappointed in others. <laughs> Now, in Britain, we've had a similar debate about, uh, about gay marriage, and by debate, I mean the right-wing press going f***ing nuts about it and no-one else really giving that much of a shit. And mm -hmm. David Cameron has responded to discontent on the right-wing of the Conservative Party after the uh, appalling local election results last week by um, easing off on his plans to legalise gay marriage, as if the Tories all got together and thought, we're facing terrible problems in Britain today, the Cuts programme, massively unpopular with the nation as a whole, the economy disastrously stagnant, massive public disenchantment with democracy, greed, irresponsibility, corruption, rife throughout our politics, throughout our media, throughout our economic system. 
Unemployment heading towards three million. The whole country is a mess. What can we possibly do to rectify all these endemic socio-political problems? Oh, here's, the, here's an idea. Stop gay people getting married. <laughs> Everything else will fall into place. We just have to stop the gays being happy. <laughs> It's interesting, the two responses that Britain and America had as nations to the issue of gay marriage. One, defined by an act of elitist political bravery, and another, elitist political cowardice. Because Prime Minister David Cameron is in favour of gay marriage and plan to legalise it for personal reasons or political reasons or who, who gives a shit. It's just demonstrably the right thing to do. But he is now going to renege on that plan after, as you mentioned, heavy losses in elections. And he's not going to legalise gay marriage to appease his conservative base. And well, how does that appeasement feel, Prime Minister David Cameron? <laughs> Must be a pretty proud feeling to go to bed at night and think, well, I did a really historic, brave, bold and ultimately moral thing today. I appeased the base of my party. <laughs> I wonder where they're going to put my statue in Westminster to commemorate this historic achievement I made. <laughs> so it was withdrawn from the... Well, it wasn't in the Queen's speech, the gay marriage legislation. And the Queen's speech... She looked even more pissed off than usual, John. She had that <laughs> characteristic, I could do this better than you f***ing chances look on her face that has become so familiar over the years, as if she was just one more piss-ball policy away from going off-piste and shouting, <laughs> OK, let's see what f***ing rubbish I've got to chunder out this time. <laughs> My lords and members of the House of Commons, what a f catchphrase that is. My government's legislative programme is going to set this country back. Oh, there are more words in that sentence, my mistake. Set this country back on the road to oblivion? No, it's recovery. Good one, Cameron. <laughs> good one. My country will... My government will stop at nothing, if only that were true, in order to... Oh, I'm not reading this patronising f***ing guff. Right, I've got my separate, I'm not afraid to whack you with it. <laughs> pathetic! I'm sick of it! This little beauty left some nasty whack marks on Anthony Eden's posteriors, I can tell you that for free. Be warned! Whack! Whacky! <laughs> Dr. John Santamu, the uh, Archbishop of York, uh, compared the Prime Minister to a dictator if he was to allow couples of the same sex to marry. That is an excellent understanding <laughs> of history from the Archbishop, Andy. Whilst all dictators have been different, they've also very much been bonded by their progressive views on single-sex marriage. <laughs> I think that's why Mussolini and Hitler got on so well. Uh, the Archbishop said, It's almost like somebody telling you overnight that the Church, whose job it is to worship God, is an arm of the armed forces. They must take arms and fight. You're completely changing tradition. Well, it's not almost like saying that at all. In fact, it's f***ing nothing like saying that whatsoever. <laughs> he went on to say, if you genuinely would like the registration of civil partnerships to happen in a more general way, most people will say they can see the drift. But if you begin to call those marriage, you're trying to change the English language. Right, Andy. Like the word asshole. <laughs> It used to just be a word to describe the human arse. Now it can describe a person, or a bigot, or an archbishop, or someone who's all three of those things. Someone who is an arsehole, but who also owns an arsehole, through which he makes most of his public statements. <laughs> George Osborne confirmed that uh, the gay marriage issue was going to get kicked uh, to the curb down the line. Uh, the Chancellor said that he'd taken the message from voters that ministers should be focusing on the things that really matter, rather than getting distracted by too many other issues. The thing is, 
This does really matter. It really matters a lot because there will be a time in most of our lifetimes when we will look back on the time that gay people were not allowed to get married in our countries and it's going to be f***ing embarrassing. <laughs> and to those who are frightened of it, you just want to take them by the shoulders, squeeze them, shake them just slightly but firmly and say, this is all going to be fine fast. You are not going to care about this faster than you thought you could not care about anything. <laughs> Now, do you want to see a video of Vladimir Putin scoring an ice hockey goal? Because it's very funny. <laughs> now we look up and tell me you, tell me you. To the eyes of bullies, breaking backs. That seems so very tough. It's a lie. It's a lie. That seems so very scared of us. I look into the mirror. Look into For evil that just So as of yesterday, for the first time in American history, the President of the United States has said that he supports same-sex marriage. And I have to say, speaking as an American citizen, that really took a long-ass time. I mean, is, is he really, that was the first one, no other president has done that before? That seems like it should have been, happened. But apparently no president had ever taken this basic stance in support of equal rights, ever until yesterday and that is a big deal exactly how big a deal it is how gratifying how satisfying it should be i don't think it's my place to say as a cisgender heterosexual man who thinks that being gay is natural and being married is frightening i'm not the best qualified to judge that and as i've watched reaction from the lgbt community i've seen some convincingly cynical takes on it pointing out how president obama is still leaving this issue in the hands of the states and how there are a lot of other issues still on the table discrimination in the workplace and every other part of life the huge percentage of America's homeless young people that are gay and transgender, and that President Obama needs to back these words up with action before they can really mean something. And I can't argue with that. I also saw a lot of people eloquently describe how seeing the president finally break this ridiculous taboo and honor their humanity and equality out loud was an important moment for them, and argue that the president deserves tremendous credit for it, especially since it was a politically risky move and his substantive track record on LGBT rights is actually pretty strong. And I would think that there must be plenty of room for both of those views to coexist. I think this could easily be taken as an important step forward by the president and as an affirmation of the need to keep pushing this president. Because it's clear that President Obama's evolution on this issue was helped along by the constant pressure from activists who kept his feet to the fire. And as much as President Obama has done something important for those activists, those activists have done something important for President Obama. Because it's all of the work they put in that set the stage for Obama to upgrade his legacy and elevate his status in history by taking the stand that he took. Even after all that snide attitude we used to get from his boy Robert Gibbs about pressure from the left, now we've seen pressure from the left set up President Obama to have one of his defining moments. So it seems to me like there's plenty of room to see it from each of those angles. To recognize what President Obama has done for LGBTQ communities, to recognize the favor those communities have done for President Obama, by helping to get him here to recognize that there's still a lot more work to be done and to take this as an example of how in the long run everybody benefits when we keep putting pressure on the powers that be to get on the right side of history. 
The mission of this show is to aggregate and amplify the best voices of the truly liberal media, and now you can play a critical role in helping fulfill that mission. I pick out the best clips I hear to share with you, and now you can do just the same thing extremely easily. Now available at bestoftheleft.com, each clip I play is made available individually with simple buttons that allow you to share your favorites on your networks through Facebook, Twitter, by email, and beyond. By myself, I can amplify this content to thousands of people, but collectively, we have the potential to reach millions. No kidding. Become your own media activist by taking one minute to share your favorite content a couple of days each week, help more people plug into the truly liberal media, and be an integral part of this extremely virtuous cycle. Thanks so much for your help. So I go to pick up my mom to go to dinner with uh, Eljoy for... um for Mother's Day, and we're just we're we're having a regular conversation, and of course the the thing that was on my mind that I had to mention was the fact that what do you think of Obama and same sex marriage? <sighs> Poor Mama White. Her response to me is, "I want to talk about it. <laughs> I want I want to talk about it. I like, but Mama, we we we. I, I'm not saying you have to talk about. It. I just want to know what are you are you. I'm not asking you to agree with anything. I'm just asking." Are you still voting for Obama? My mother said, I don't want to talk about it, which was a red flag for me. I was like, whoa, did my mother just freak out and now not want to vote for Obama over this? And so I start to, I won't drop it in the car. Like, I just can't drop it. And she's just like, I want to talk about it. I want to talk about it. I want to talk about it. I was like, mama, mama, we have to talk about it because I feel like this is important. And the reason why I started to force the conversation with her was because I was nervous. Because the conversation about this and the black church has gotten very, very weird, and I would even argue a bit ugly, because people are not respecting people's faiths. And they yell, they start yelling at people like, you should accept it, you should accept it, you should accept it, and that's it. And then people who don't agree all of a sudden freak out, and then they shut themselves down, and just like, in the blood of Jesus. And it's like, whoa, that's not, now, now they have a blood of Jesus shield up, and now you really ain't going to be able to have a conversation with them at all. Once you have the a blood of Jesus shield. Right, when, when you have these conversations, that's what people throw up the blood of Jesus shield, because you were just, you ain't nothing but the devil, and you, you're just trying to, you're just trying to, uh, to ruin my day. And that's what, and so you can't, you can't come at them that hard. And so I felt like I had to discuss it with my mother, because I understood Understand her faith, and everyone who listens to the show knows that Elon's not religious. Elon's like at this point either qualifies for agnostic or atheist. But I know how to talk to her, and I know how to not like mess with her faith and have the conversation outside of that. And that's why I kept doing it. So like literally, I we we were in the car and we talked about it almost all the way to the door of brunch when we when I met you, Eljoy. Uh, and my mom just kept. My, at one point, my mom started to sing church songs to keep me quiet. <laughs> she was jukeboxing. She no, she wasn't jukeboxing. She was it, was it was the equivalent of putting your your finger in your ears because I was like, but mama, you have to understand. And she was just and she was just like all, all of a sudden like his eyes on the sparrow. <laughs> I know he watches over me. I was like, mama, I sing <laughs> because I'm like, but mama, you are, I'm happy. I'm like mama. That's what happened, and so then we got uh, we had uh, food, and we sat down, and we did all that uh, good stuff, and then in the car, dropping everyone home, the conversation comes up again. 
Because I asked, I asked. And Eldroid did, because I was trying to be good at this point. And Eldroid just, just drops a bomb. They're all through, it's like, they are in the back of the car, in like full on so black cute. lady church It was Tron. so cute. Do you have the picture? Uh, it's, it wasn't a good picture. And oh, they're just like, it's all, picture. Church, it's the- all churched out and everything. And the Eldroid just goes, what do y'all think about Obama with same sex marriage? Mm-hmm. So, like, what are you- so, you know, I asked, I said, hey, my Barbaran, what do you think? You know, are you not voting for the president because of the same sex marriage thing? And then she responded, she did not start singing Negro spirituals right. and all the stuff like that. She gave a very rational uh, 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 description, did she not? Uh, actually, and and I, I, once she answered, I actually was very, very appreciative of Eldroy bringing it up, because at first I thought we were about to get yelled at um, for the next uh, the next hour of us being in the car, dropping everybody off. But she said, no, I'm, I'm still voting for him. That's just one issue. And that was and that was her response. I was like, yep. "What? Really?" <laughs> and I said, and, and, I, "And so I'm in the front of the car. I go, really? That's such a reasonable response, Mama." And so I, I, I didn't know that you guys had this little conversation. So when you were doing it, I was like, "What is he doing?" Right. And I, like, every, and so my aunt kept talking, and you know, and then after my aunt would finish the sentence, Elon would go, "Hmm, Mama." And I'm like, what? <laughs> What is going on? Now, what I what I was really appreciative of, and I feel like this is another way this conversation has to happen, is that you people from outside of the church can't yell at people inside the church. You just can't do it. Mm-hmm. But the church can have the conversation out loud and uh, and, and and kind of like influence each other mm-hmm. because like as uh, her mom, my, my, my aunt Barbara Ann was uh, talking like it, she was making very reasonable arguments and by the way it's hilarious because half, like I, this is not the first time I've seen this uh, but a lot of people are arguing that like I don't really believe he believed that he just doing that for, for political yes. reasons mm-hmm. like he don't really believe that and so we, we and, don't know what's in his heart right and so Eljo and I are in the front and I'm just going lord but then all of a sudden I was like you know what that is a great argument and, we, and I'm not sure that is a bad way of uh, uh, approaching uh, people in, hmm. uh, uh, about this like just like flat out manipulate them like do you really think he believes that you know him he said he a Christian do you really believe that of course he but he has to, it's political it's poli- just let it ride and just shut <laughs> up if you if you're, if you're trying to get people to go out and vote and not and not do something stupid that I would argue that is reasonable so my mom is reasonable because that's my mom so my mom blew it all off it's a campaign campaign year. a lot of people are saying that and which is which is hilarious which is why when everyone started to go out there and start talking about the black church how they know what the black church is going to do and they're going to turn their back on obama like you have no clue how they're going to respond they like, the fact is like i've seen people say that and i've other, heard other people say that like actually uh, in the church in the car she was like that has nothing to do with us. that's not the church uh, uh, what he's doing right now. That's just, that's government. There's a separation of government and church. Now, if it was a church, now that, that I, I'm not, I don't think it's right. And I'm like, okay, just do not, as long as y'all don't all of a sudden start rallying to shut people down, listen, I'm, that, that's my so, issue. Right. And so then they went into, you know, uh, church and Bible mode and there was, just, um, and she was like, sinners gonna be sinners. And then they gonna do what sinners do. Sin. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then me and Elon kept looking at each other like, all right, okay. Yeah, because the thing is that they were, they, they, were, uh, they were judging us. Because we were in the front, obviously, like, they just, when they start talking about what they think of, uh, about, uh, about uh, homosexuality and stuff like that, it's just like, Lord, y'all are, I don't, I don't even have the energy. Because the thing is, I really don't have the energy. And, but the thing is, like, I can't, there's nothing like I can say to prove to, to an right. 86-year-old that, who believes the Bible back in front. Right. There's mm-hmm. nothing I can say. Because the thing is that you can argue that I should have fought, and I should have yelled at them and stuff like that. There's nothing I can do. 
and it's I don't want to get it beaten. It's it's the <laughs> basis of their entire belief. I can't, just, what I can do is try to make sure that they do not inflict their belief system on other people. Right. And that is my main goal. Make sure you do not affect anyone else. Make sure that you are not uh, 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 pushing legislation. Make sure that you are not voting for legislation. All that stuff. That's my job, I feel like, in certain situations. It's, like it's just my... And quarantine and containment? Quarantine and containment. That's what... Because obviously... And I'm ho- and the next generation... Because the next generation is changing. Even within the church, the younger uh, folks don't believe that. They, they, they are w- way more open mm-hmm. to equality. Mm-hmm. And so, I, like, old folks, I can't fight with them. I just can't. And I'm, I, I, it, I would argue it's a losing battle, and you can do it, but it's. Mm. Mm-hmm. But and they're also not the type of you know people just like I said, knowing my family and knowing their position on what the, you know what they believe about um, homosexuality. But they're also not the type of people that are just like, oh well, he's gay, so he can't come in my house, or I can't hug. You know, like they're mm-hmm. not. The I'm gonna actively discriminate. I'm gonna actively, you know, from from Even their though. perspective, if you are a liar, and you, because they believe that homose- they believe homosexuality is sinful, right? right? So for them, they're like, no sin is above any other. So and that's, the sin- and that, that was the argument that I made in the car. I was like, so is I was like, and when I said it, all of a I got a bunch of amens and praise Jesus in the back in the back of the car. Yeah. When I specifically I said, I said, so. I said, I thought all sins were equal. They're like, they are equal. I said, so homosexuality is not more than, let's say, adultery. They're like, nope, not at all. I said, and there's no laws against adultery. And they were like, mm-hmm, that's right. And I'm like, thank you. This is like, you, it's, mm. it's the angle that you have to come at them with that, like, the fact is that there's a lot of things that they don't, that people don't think are right. It's just a question of you have to make sure that they don't st- decide that the church should legislate, should try to legislate government with that. Mm-hmm. And that is my big, big thing. So finally, when we when we dropped off my mother, my mother got dropped off first. So I took out the car and I said, "Mama, I love you dearly, but I'm not going to drop this." Are you? I said, "What are you? What are you voting? Are you voting?" She goes, "Well, I, I, I mean, I'm not. I don't. I'm not voting for Romney." I'm like, "I know you're not voting for Romney." And I said, "I also know that you know above all else that people died for our ability to vote." She goes, "People did die for our." Ability to vote. <laughs> people did- People did die for our ability to vote. I said, so that means that you can't vote for that dude. I said, uh, 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 for Romney. And and are you going to let one one thing you disagree with the president about decide that you aren't voting and you're going to turn your back on these things? She goes, no, but it's just it's more it's just it's just complicated. I mean, I I have a lot of feelings about it, and and I was like, that's okay. And I think that like we said, the the thing is to. St- you start the conversation, right? So it's not an end all. It's like you don't end with the conversation in the car, right? So you started this conversation. They don't believe you should, they should be actively discriminated against. Mm-hmm. That's because they're thinking of it as a pure Christian principles, right. you know, Christian principles. And this is another human being. And so you are able to start at that mm-hmm. basis and then you can go back. <laughs> you know, and then are you in, in sort of have the further discussion on, well, why do you think it's sinful? Why do you know? So then mm-hmm. you are able to sort of layer this conversation. And there are many conversations mm-hmm. that you can't have. You can't expect to sit down and have a conversation one time. You right. know, with someone is just like, okay, now you should change your beliefs. Right. <laughs> like that doesn't like that doesn't. There are some some things. If I bring this, a picture of water in front of you and I tell you this is not, and this facts. Like you can look at it, you taste it. It's like, oh, this is a water. This is vodka. Like mm-hmm. you know, like, like they're facting, and then you need to walk away from the table looking like, okay, all clear liquids are not water. You know, <laughs> like are not water, right? right? But if you're have you want to have this multi layered conversation, you know about 
you you got to take into people what people have grown up what they thought all the time like i'm saying they're 86 and 67 you know years old they believe mm-hmm. in a religious doctrine and live their entire lives by you know by it mm-hmm. you can't expect to sit down and have one conversation and have them change their mind in that instance I can't even, I couldn't, there were times I had to have multi-layered conversations with my grandmother to get me to go across the street by myself. (laughs) And so to think that I can sit and have a conversation with her and change her mindset, you know, on homosexuality in one conversation is asinine. My mother, my mother is old and I don't really mind, but my nephew is 10 and my nephew saw something about a man mentioning his husband. And he goes, ew, he has a husband. And I go, what's the problem? He goes, that's nasty. I go, why? He goes, Mom said so. I don't know. And, and that, I freaked out on everyone on that. My sister is a 40-year-old religious woman. My mom is a 70-year-old religious woman. Great. You guys can do whatever you want. But my, 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 my nephew is not supposed to be like, this is nasty because I don't know. That, that's, mm-mm, it's mm-mm, not okay. Mm-mm. It's not okay. Yeah, no, that, that, there's a lot, that, those are the lines in the sand. Mm-hmm. I will not let the next generation have to deal with this. Like, you guys, all right. I, and I also will not let, I will fight the older generation legislating. You don't mm-hmm. have to right. like it, but they will not There's you will no not legislation. Vote. You're mm-hmm. not going to, like, actively trip people and, like, mm-hmm. you know, yell out racial, racial or, you know, gay slur. Like, no, we're not doing that. Right. Mm-hmm. We're not doing that. Right. I, I, it, there's mm-hmm. the battles you have. Uh, but that, 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 that was our weekend, uh, just dealing with old black folks. Uh, yeah. but, but my point is that, like, I, and I've heard a lot of people talking about it. People were talking about that their pastor said that they don't have to agree, they don't agree with this, but this does not change an election. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I've heard uh, a preacher say that from the pulpit. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just, there, are, there were levels of this. People discuss this a lot, and it is a complicated thing. And it's, hopefully, we are watching a very, I, actually, not hopefully, we are watching a very big time of change in our country. This conversation coming from the president is possibly one of the biggest things because the fact is that everyone's having the conversation. Everybody. And like with with one with one interview with with 11 words, he changed the conversation in the country. That's huge. I'm happy that we're having the conversation. Hey Jay, this is Cody from Olympia, Washington. I uh, wanted to say, first off, I really appreciated Matthew's call talking about black burden. I'm a white person, and I know I'll never truly understand what that's like, but I think it's really important for me to at least try to be aware of it um, to the best of my ability, and I think uh, stuff like that really helps. I really liked your analogy with climate and weather when you were talking about Dave's call I think because in his specific case being a white male isn't helping his financial situation and may even be hurting him but overall women still make 77 cents for every dollar that their male counterparts make and studies have found that job applicants with black sounding names get fewer callbacks for interviews and for my personal life I live in a pretty safe neighborhood, but as a woman, if I'm outside alone at night, I'm extremely conscious of anyone walking or standing 
anywhere near me, any places where someone could be hiding, even the way that I carry myself. And I do this specifically because I'm a woman, and so the probability of me getting raped is much higher because of that. And I look like an easier target in general. So, uh, yeah, male privilege to me is not having to be that vigilant about about things. So, yeah, thanks for the show. I really like these post-show discussions and uh, kind of looking at the nuances of issues. And I'm also really liking the new activism portion. So, yeah, uh, stay awesome. Thanks. Bye. Hey, this is uh, Jeff in um, Louisiana. I heard Dave from Massachusetts' message, and it really rubbed me the wrong way. I almost want to say I doubt if he's a a Democrat, but um, he's definitely ignorant. I mentioned I'm from Louisiana. And actually, in the South, we're not more racist than in the North. It's just that in the South, all the cards used to be on the table in the law. Now, about white privilege... Dave says there's no white privilege. Well, um, I know that there are a lot of poor white people, and as far as police brutality goes, white people are the number one folks getting beat because there are more of you. I mean, poor white people have it bad by cops, and, it, and that's not televised enough. But this notion that for, for all intents and purposes, blacks are, are, are treated equal, obviously, it's not true. It's, it's true on paper. But in practice, things are different. I live a very nice life. I'm, I'm very comfortable. You know, I understand that. But when I go shopping, you know, I, I test this. If there's a white woman in the aisle, I will look. If I see a, a white man pass her buggy and I, I see her not react, I'll time it. Then I'll pass her buggy and she'll rush to it. No matter what she's doing, she'll rush to it. To make sure that when I pass that buggy, she has her hands on her purse. Every time. Every single time. And Dave, I'm sure, has never been followed in multiple shopping centers and gas stations. I mean, chased, stalked by people who make sure they never take their eye off you. Hundreds of times. Not just, you know, I remember this one time. Hundreds of times throughout your life. I'm, I am just so sick of hearing this whining. He he used the word whine. He used it, but he's the one whining. Dave, if you don't have a job, I'm, I'm going to quote home Herman Cain. If you need Medicaid and you need food stamps, blame yourself. Don't blame blacks. Hi, Jay. Um... Thanks so much for your podcast. I love it. I'm just calling in response to Dave and his comments about white privilege. Um, I really appreciated the way that you handled the topic. At first, when I was listening to Dave's message, I could barely stand to listen to it. It was so... I just felt like his ideas were really ignorant, and I was like, why are we even listening to this? And then you dealt with it really well and made some really good points, so thank you for that. Um, and I wanted to just mention one other thing about Dave's experience is that is that I really believe that there is overlapping and multiple forms of oppression that exist in our crazy society. And um, one of them is classism. And Dave obviously experiences 
some real first-hand class oppression. And I think the fact that he's mad about that, obviously, and the fact that he feels that so intensely and he doesn't feel racism because he's white means that he's kind of blinded by, well, look, like, you know, it's like, look, I, I do feel oppression. This is my experience. And that's great. I just wanted to give him some acknowledgement that classism is real and the economic situation in our world is totally messed up and it's not fair and it does make people who are economically disadvantaged make their lives really hard and there's some compounding issues that are included with classism anyways that's what i wanted to say thanks so much for your podcast bye hey jay this is colin from cleveland ohio again just listened to your last episode and wanted to make a couple uh, comments about the uh, white privilege discussion. I was listening to uh, Black It Up, and it was a great episode, and Elon was talking about class versus race. And I think the caller who was uh, disgruntled with affirmative action and said that there's no white privilege, I think is falling victim to what a lot of people do, and that is confusing race for class. I grew up in Cleveland, <clears throat> proper, not the suburbs. My parents had five kids, and because of the school system not being the greatest, worked their tails off to put us all through private school. Needless to say, after paying all that tuition, there really was no money. <clears throat> and quite honestly, I mean, yeah, I was made fun of. I was one of the poor kids, you know, whatever. You know, when I was younger, it bothered me. I grew up now, and I realized my parents just did the best they could for me, and, you know, thank God they got me the education I did. I, I think we need to realize that a lot of times uh, people just confuse race with class, and statistically, minorities are the higher percentage of the lower class. So, therefore, when people have a problem with the lower class, they automatically assign it to the race. And I think your caller is one of the minority, which is actually the majority, white people, who fall into the lower economic scale. And I think he's kind of caught up in the game and doesn't quite see that he's confusing the class with the race. And uh, blacking it up, Elon made that point crystal clear, talked about his own experience of confusing his blackness for his lower working class upbringing. I mean, it's just, it's a great perspective. I've kind of felt that way for a while. And honestly, listening to Black It Up is the first time I ever really heard that pontificated by a black person. Again, it's just, it's a great podcast, and I'm glad you put it on the show, and it just really shows a lot of people who might not have the perspective available to them of the other race that, you know what, <laughs> we're really a hell of a lot more like each other than anyone even thinks. So, thanks again, Jay. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you would like to leave a comment, question, or activist call to action yourself to be played on the show, the number to dial is 206-202-3410. So a little bit of background on Dave from Massachusetts. Uh, you know, he, I, I played a four, four-and-a-half-minute voicemail from him on the previous episode. That's what everyone's responding to today. In addition to that voicemail, he also left two, two others uh, for a combined total of an, an additional 20 minutes or so. So it was about... 24, 25 minutes of voicemails originally. He's now responded to my commentary. The bad news is uh, he has not come around yet. 
but he left three more voicemails for a total of about 15 minutes. And so having heard his opinion for a combined total of about 40 minutes now, I've come to the conclusion that a large part, I I would never say that it's entirely based on this, but I think a large part of the disagreement here is actually coming from miscommunication. And I'm, I'm basing that primarily on his responses to my arguments because I know exactly what I meant by what I said. And when I heard his responses to my arguments, he kind of like reiterated my point to then refute them. And when he reiterated my point, he was basically wrong in every one of his interpretations. And that's not, that's not an opinion because I know what I meant and I know what he said. And therefore I recognize he does not understand the point I was making. And so, you know, I think, I think that, you know, a large part comes from miscommunication and that in in order for this conversation to be productive or to go forward, you know, we would have to take such a large step backwards. We'd have to start like making sure that we're defining terms similarly, that, that we're talking about the same words in the same way, that we actually mean the same things so that you can build a foundation to, to then have a conversation on top of. So, you know, for, for Dave, if, you know, if you want to get back in touch and have these things clarified, uh, I would recommend email rather than voicemail so that I could actually respond. But for everyone who finds themselves in this situation, I want to be clear, like, I would never make the argument that because a lot of people believe something, therefore it is true. That's a logical fallacy. It's, it, I would never endorse that. But if you do find yourself in the extreme minority, as Dave will readily admit that he is in this situation, if you find yourself in the extreme minority with a group of people who you would generally agree with on most topics, then it, it should at least encourage you to check your own opinions and figure out if you are really disagreeing or if there is something else going on here. And so in this case, I think a, a lot of it is that there's miscommun- miscommunication going on. And you know, following on my analogy about climate change and the difference between weather and climate is that, that you know Dave, is, especially in his follow-up voicemails, is buried in his his you know perspective of the weather around him, and he's not able or willing to extract himself and look at the climate as a whole and recognize that you know the climate isn't just made up of individual anecdotes that can be refuted one at a time. So anyways, you know, for everyone, when you find yourself in a situation where, you know, you feel like a reasonable, logical person and the people you're talking with seem reasonable and logical, but they also seem to be saying something crazy, what what is a more reasonable assumption to make is not that they are actually crazy, but that there is some miscommunication going on and that they do not actually believe what you think they believe, which leads you to think that they're crazy. So for Dave... Everyone who is disagreeing with you, it is more likely that you're misunderstanding them than that they are all crazy and you're right. And for everyone who disagrees with Dave, it is, I believe, more likely that he is confused about sort of the definition of privilege and oppression and that he he agrees with things that he is not quite conceptualizing in the same way that other people are. That That's what I believe. 
But now on to uh, more fun things. We reached our goal of $15,000 raised for Our Blue Media, which is amazing. It took uh, just over two weeks to do that. Uh, so that's incredibly fantastic. Of course, if you are if you still want to get on in, in on that, we will definitely still take your money and we will definitely still put it to good use and you will still get thanked on the website uh, for that. Right now, we have enough money to pay to build version one of the website. Of course, we have more stuff we would like to do that would cost more down the line. There may be some costs incurred with like promoting the launch of it and things like that. So if you, if you want to help, cool, but, but we're to the point where we're not like dying uh, at, at this point. So that's where we're at there. And I want to give everyone a heads up that the 300-mile bike ride that I was promoting um, a couple months ago, I, I fundraised for that, and uh, that is coming up this weekend. So... This is going to be my last show before I leave, and the next show you hear is going to be posted while I'm writing, and uh, so hopefully that goes off without a hitch. I'm going to be skipping one show because I'm, I'm going to be out on the road for five days straight. I just I, I allowed myself to be convinced that, okay, since I'm doing charity and I'm doing a good thing, I'll give myself one day off from the show and, and not make a show, and the listeners will understand. So that's what's coming up. I think you're you're all caught up on all the news. So thanks to everyone who donated to Our Blue Media. Uh, thanks to everyone who donated to my ride uh, to, to make that a success. I'm excited. I'm going from uh, New York City to Washington, D.C. over five days on a bike. So uh, it's going to be fantastic. I've never done anything like this. So I'll, I'll be sure to tell you all about it uh, when I'm done. So that is going to be it for today. So thanks to everyone for listening and all, all the members for making the show possible. And, of course, everyone can support the show just by telling everyone you know about it. Stay tuned into the show between episodes by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter. And for details on the show itself, including links to all the sources and music used in this and every episode, all that information is always posted in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from far outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast coming to you every third day. Thanks entirely to the members and donors of the show from bestoftheleft.com black and white you took apart a picture that wasn't right pitch burning on a shining sheet the only maker that you want to meet a dying man in a living room whose shadow bases the floor will take you out in the open